A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You and Patterson, do you know who's a lovely man? Me. Yeah, I was going to say besides you, but besides you, Final Fantasy XVI's Ben Starr. Just wanted to shout out the man. Met him in person. He knew who I was, which blew my tiny mind. And then I couldn't I couldn't navigate the energy in that moment. I was too much of a fanboy. I was just shaking his hand saying, I love this man. It's Everybody like, else who was standing next to him. What? I know. Shut? And so I, I bring this up because I was lucky enough to attend the Golden Joysticks on Friday, Future's own uh, Golden Joysticks, which was a lovely thing to do in person. They haven't done it in person in a good few years. So um, thankfully, was able to go down there, and it was it was pretty incredible. Met Ben Starr, had a lovely chat with Ralph Ineson, so shout out to that dude. Um, but I also mention it because the Game Awards nominations are out today for the Jeff Keighley Game Awards. Um, and so I just want to use it as a, as a pivot into what uh, general thoughts on Game of the Year. We're going to get to a whole bunch of new stuff and talking points and things that are going on in the industry, but what do you think? What do you think is going to take Game of the year. I mean, oh, what thing that's going to take game of the year? God yeah. damn, man. I Boulders is what one of the joysticks. Oh, Boulders get through. Okay, you know what? Boulders probably makes the most sense <laughs> in terms of like it feels like the, the favorite in this in this way because it's literally the one that has the most technical innovation. It's one of those like masterworks that kind of really. You know, I feel like we all love at um, an awards ceremony for gaming specifically. We love something mm. that you know kind of really champions the medium and what it can achieve. You know, in 2018, I feel like God of War won over Red Dead Redemption 2, primarily because the story was introspective. Look at how the evolution of storytelling in gaming has has kind of moved on for. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Baldur's Gate 3, it very much feels like this is a technical and storytelling achievement that shows the boundary, the, the boundless limitations of, like, you know, what we can achieve. So I think Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 3 probably makes sense. Alan Wake 2, probably the, the coming in close behind yeah but Alan Wake is like a very like last minute thing it was in some it was in the ultimate game of the year rundown at the joysticks but it wasn't and then like the some of the people were nominated for like lead performance and stuff but it wasn't in all the categories I, I know different awards um, events have different cutoffs, and some of them are harder than others or whatever but Alan Wake 2 needs to be in there like I just finished that last night that thing's phenomenal uh, I don't think it's perfect but it's it's very close like it's, it's very Remedy AF and I love how much they managed to execute on exactly what they were going for like it's just they have such a unique identity now um, especially in a, an industry that is increasingly crumbling or falling apart or being very shaky they, they seem incredibly strong um, which is awesome myself and um, What Culture Mains Adam Strawn are going to do a spoiler cast for Alan Wake 2 um, across the week because he's just finished it as well so we'll get there but yeah I um, I think it'll be a Baldur's Gate sweep again I was expecting that to take more stuff um, not to shout out my friend Ben Starr yet again but he won lead perf- <laughs> best lead performance at the Golden Joysticks which I've massively popped for as the wrestling fans say because um, I uh, just a huge fan 
fan of that dude, huge fan of the Clive character in Final Fantasy 16. And Final Fantasy 16 is my game of the year. Like, it's one of those things where I know my objective brain says that it's probably Baldur's or Alan Wake or whatever. Um, but pound for pound, I didn't have more fun with the game than 16 this year. Um, what do you think of Spider-Man 2 been in the conversation? Like, I keep people keep putting that in their top five. I mean, yeah, no, I think that's justified. I know there's mm. been a lot of negativity, like, around that game over the last few weeks. I mean, not entirely unjustified there are certain things we've spoken about at length in previous podcasts and videos and even in the review i mentioned there are limitations with the open world and mm-hmm. i know that you said you you had some disappointments with the, the way the story pans out and its usage of venom and whatever um but no i think it's totally justified i think it's one of those where its reputation this is going to be one of those where i think maybe in a few years time people look back and go actually no it's, we, we maybe like maybe we're a little bit too harsh mm-hmm. i mean obviously it's been getting fantastic reviews so I just think there's maybe a little bit of like a there's a bit of a contrast between how it was received critically and how those diehard hardcore Spider fans are kind of received. If you go on the mm-hmm. Reddit, the Marvel Spider Man 2 Reddit, um, you'll see the, the kind of tidal wave of negativity kind of going towards you know, scrutinizing the most fi- uh, like the minute details of the game, um, which you know it makes sense. It's been out for a few weeks now. People are going to mm-hmm. pick apart and go into literally every single nook and cranny to find stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I think I think it's justified. I think it's another great technical showcase to the PlayStation Five. Great storytelling achievement. Plays great. You know, mm-hmm. looks great. I have no qualms with that being in the conversation um, at all, really. That's kind of, yeah. My thing is that like I I go back and forward on. I wouldn't have personally wouldn't have it in the top five in a year that's got like Resident Evil Four remake, Dead Space, Legend of Zelda, whatever. But it is incredibly solid. I think it has some of the best gameplay of the year. I kind of wish we had separate categories for like. I mean, we kind of do. Like sometimes it's best storytelling or best direction or whatever. And um, but we rarely have just like a pure gameplay category. Like what is the most oomph satisfying <sighs> I gameplay? Forgot that Tears of the Kingdom was this year, man. And now that you reminded <laughs> me, I'm like, okay, well, no, maybe that that and Baldur's Gate Three. Mm-hmm. To me, those, like, again, games that I haven't played, but having seen the creativity on show in both of them, I'm like, these. this is what gaming is all about. You know how, like, yes. when Vin Diesel does the movies and everyone was like, oh, wow, he said the <laughs> movies. He's literally summed up everything that's great about the medium. I feel like if we have an equivalent of that, it's just the games. Uh-huh. That, that's just, that's... Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate Three because the stuff that people were doing with the like the the, the cr- like people building jet fighter bombers <laughs> in like Tears of the Kingdom and like Karok jigsaw torture machines and stuff uh-huh. like that like. Uh, incredible. <laughs> Tears is like, that's that's always my thing if we're talking about best game of the year. I'm like, I want to be able to hold it up as like a bastion for gameplay and the medium itself. Like, like gaming can take from cinema and can take from all these other mediums and everything. But I want to be able to say this is a great video game. And so I think like, yeah, Tears is way up there. Boulders is unbelievable in the amount of different ways you can complete missions and think your way through scenarios and stuff. And even the, the conversations, which I know you've been, um, <laughs> been subject to when like myself, Stevie and Adam Strong talk, about, talk through stuff in the office. And we have three completely different ways through any given quest or whatever it is it is a real feat to pull that off um so yeah we'll see i am um, like i said i expect a boulder's gate sweep but i would love alan wake to get up there as well and um, by the time this podcast goes live the uh, game awards nominations might be out um but yeah jeff kitty said that they'll be uh, going up across uh, monday the 13th so we'll see um to pivot a little bit into um some new stuff though and um, i wanted to plug um cheeky plug our gta 6 mega video we did a four hour video because gta 6 comes but well what once a day, but it's in terms of an official announcement, uh, once every few years. So um, we just thought, why not compile every single thing we've ever done in regards to covering GTA 6, from the leaks to the various gameplay details that have been kind of semi-confirmed back and forward, <laughs> the characters that came out uh, when the leak happened a couple of years ago, and um, put that into one giant video. 
<clears throat> and just see what it came out as. I remember our editor Dan Durkin putting it together. He's like, it's it's almost like one of those like um, film reaction. <laughs> Someone looks at the devastation. It's four hours, and I was like, yeah, it's it's going to be a four hour thing. Um, but that's over on the YouTube channel if you want to see what a baby Jules, Josh, and myself look like five years ago. If you, uh, and, you. And, and me as well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you show me that, and I, my soul left my body at how much <laughs> the pandemic has like aged my face or whatever. Not that I'm an ugly looking man, but like no. going back there, I'm like, wow, I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> like Jesus, man, a child soldier of of, of the content. Um, definitely, man. But yeah, anyway, I mean, you go back to the beginning of that, you'll see our minds unraveling with each and every new drop of information. Because mm. even by the the time we had started like making GTA Six videos, I feel like we had like years of rumors beforehand anyway mm-hmm. and like picking apart and like just you can kind of see the light fade from our eyes in certain <laughs> points where it's like oh yeah another gta 6 bit of news i'll tell you what's funny is um i don't know if you watch if you follow donkey at all but like donkey on yes, youtube I did love donkey. yeah so he did his version of 10 years of gta 6 and like i didn't realize some of the lengths that some people were going for like looking at some of the, the hollywood a... sign where it's like oh and there's the v and then if you look at the 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 the, the, the phase of the moon and you You'll see yes. the exact time. Yeah, no. I never knew that was the thing where people were like, oh, if you look at the phase of the moon, it's like, oh, it lines up with this, like, the number three, and that means it'll be October that 3rd. Only, that kind of speculation <laughs> only works if you've literally got, like, a corkboard behind you with lots of twine, yeah. and you're moving it back and forth. That is the only way that kind of, like, observation... Because they all, all these GTA YouTubers and stuff, they exist in their own hyper-niche segment of, like, mm-hmm. gaming YouTube. And it's kind of like an echo chamber of just craziness where they'll be like, oh, did this mean this? And oh my God, man, the dark I tell times. you what, it is, I think it's, I always think it's fun. And like, if you go back to all the videos that we've put together, it was always from either like um, someone who was like an ex-worker or something, like a LinkedIn post or whatever. Like there's some stuff that was increasingly on the fringe of that stuff. My dog's my mate overall, works at Rockstar. He knows the truth. But like my overall energy for this is always just like, it has to be fun. Like it's a fun thing to talk about. And like, I remember when um, that abandoned game was going to be coming out and everyone thought it was Hideo Kojima um, secretly making Silent Hill and that was the most rabbit holy I got with something because I proper looked into it and it was like some of the colours that were used were called something that lined up with a street name and then the street name in real life is next to a place that was Silent Hill like, if you want to like that was some of the most fun where I was just subjecting Josh to being like no no look look these four things mean that it's true there was one that we covered I think it was in 2020 where we were again already losing our minds from the pandemic there was one where <laughs> someone reached out to us with like an image like Rockstar had updated their website or whatever mm. and the idea because it looked kind of retro were like LA Noir 2 is LA Noir yes. 2 coming out <laughs> it's like you know we kind of yeah there's been it's been a long saga of GTA mm. 6 this. I mean I kind of I love like I am with you I enjoy going absolutely stupid with some of this stuff particularly when it comes to Batman Arkham, the Batman Arkham community yeah. is like very much into deconstructing everything to the point where now there are literal YouTube compilations of how deprived of content the Batman Arkham fandom has been that it has literally <laughs> gone insane. I, I honestly, fully recommend. I think I showed you one of those videos yes. where it's literally like, oh, man, <laughs> is he stupid? <laughs> and stuff like that. Honestly, this will make more sense if you look it up after listening to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um but I am personally very much here for Oliver Stone-esque video game conspiracy, like, ridiculousness. I don't know if um, at some point we should put together, like, the most sort of, 
like um, what's the thinnest amount of hope that an entire fandom is hanging on? Because you, you still like the, the Shenmue fandom are still out there for Shenmue Four, which it, it was apparently coming. But I mean, they were waiting for Shenmue Three for about twenty years. Everyone here is listening to a first see access to the the, the behind the scenes ideation process of what culture here. <laughs> I would maybe do like ten video games that literally drove fandoms crazy or something. Like yeah, that. You, could, you could end it with Batman Arkham and just have like a montage of just all the the ridiculousness of like. Oh God! The it's, yeah, there's like. <laughs> that's the thing there's something to be said about leaving like a nascent fandom um, and how long like how much we'll have to cling on to like how regularly is someone checking those threads and being part of that community and being like okay have we got anything today guys is there anything at all has someone said anything that we can try and break down it's really funny because I feel like everyone in the GTA community is like oh Rockstar they're such like deliberately like weaving this grand tapestry to like tease (laughs) GTA 6 meanwhile Sam Hauser just comes out and puts a post up being like we're working on GTA 6 now (laughs) please look forward to it yeah, that I don't. I mean, I've made my thoughts very clear on modern Rockstar. I'll be amazed if it is a grant. I mean, will, there'll be parts of it that'll obviously need to be executed in a certain way. Um, but the amount of uh, lead creators that have left that team, I will be amazed. I'm just, I'll be amazed if GTA Six works. Essentially, I think like it's gonna, it's gonna tick boxes, but I think it'll be quite a safe thing. Um, but I guess we'll see. I mentioned GTA Six, um, and like I said, plug in that mega mega video because um, voice actor Ned Luke, um, the dude that voices Michael in GTA Five, uh, recently replied to a fan asking if Michael would return in GTA Six. He replied saying, "It's a mystery with five stars next to him." Now I'm taking five stars to mean wanted, like the old school GTA wanted. Mm. Um, but the fact that he replied at all has got people in the hashtag GTA community <laughs> talking about the idea that a character could return. Now it's not the first time that a GTA character has returned in a sequel because GTA Three's club was in San Andreas, but. Per- Personally, I mean, I, I can't lie. I don't really care about Michael coming back. I'm not. I wasn't like a. I wasn't that big of a GTA Five dude anyway. But what do you? What, what do you think? I mean, it's fine. Like, I think it would be like it's one of those where <laughs> I. Yeah, I wasn't like massively keen on GTA Five story either. If I'm mm. being really honest, like I enjoyed the. I, I I guess I I like what they were going for. The idea of having an agent of chaos there with Trevor and stuff, and mm-hmm. you know, with Michael's character, I just it kind of like I I know that a lot of people champion like Rockstar's commitment to paying homage to cinema, but for me, GTA Five it kind of got into massively derivative derivative territory where they were kind of having the. De Niro in heat esque figure of like yeah. you know and literally dra- like dressing him up slightly and, and stuff and it just kind of yeah I didn't really gel I mean again like I think his performance is fine I think it would be a nice little way of you know threading continuity through the series to have him involved don't mm. know what role you'd put him in I'm still mm. curious we still know nothing about the story beyond for GTA Six apart from the fact that it's Bonnie and Clyde inspired and there's going to be a, a woman and man protagonist. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it would be fun to thread that continuity in there. I know people will be very excited about him appearing. I'm, I imagine the big get would be Stephen Ogg back as Trevor yeah. if he were going to do that. Because can- I believe the canon ending is the one where they all live. Oh, right, okay. I don't yeah. know if they've ever, like, confirmed that. If Rockstar have said, like, oh, it's definitely this one. Yeah. But, I mean, there are, yeah, many different ways that that thing can go towards the end. I feel like, speaking of Stephen Ogg, he's the one, like, character, one actor who's managed to um, do the most stuff since GTA Five came out. Like, he's in Better Call Saul. He's now in the Boiling Point BBC show, which I was not expecting him to pop up in. Um, and so things like that, I feel like he's, like I said, done a lot more. Um, and maybe that makes him, like, a harder get or something. But at the same time, GTA Six, it's, it's a weird thing, because I sort of go back and forward on, like, how... 
like needle pinned is the hype for GTA 6. Like there's an assumption that the more the GTA community and the fan channels took over, the more the average person didn't seem to be talking about it that much. And it's been 10 years now. And then when the tweets came out that you mentioned before, they got like a million likes in about five minutes. And it's like people are immediately, it's just that word association thing of like the next GTA, the next Grand Theft Auto. And it's immediately back there again. And it's not that I fully genuinely doubted it, but it does feel like Rockstar, you know, playing their cards close to their chest and whatever. Whatever they do is going to be this thermal nuclear event anyway like it just is going to be this huge thing regardless of who comes back or whatever the hell it turns into oh you know it's going to be the biggest game of all time like it, it, <laughs> it, no, it, genu- it genuinely oh, yeah, will be yeah. it is going to smash every single record i think it's weird because obviously when i was growing up and when you were kind of like in the early 2000s as well scott like gta mm. was kind of like it was that ever-present force you'd have it every few mm. years there were spin-offs that were releasing on handheld consoles you had like prequels you had like spin-offs you had everything along with the main entries and stuff so this mm-hmm. has been the longest period of time where we've been without GTA, but at the same time, you know, GTA 5, GTA Online, it's always stayed in the charts. They've had, like, you know, people have been going into that ecosystem for the past decade now. You know, it's always kind of, like, they've, they've been supporting it with DLC. So even though it's been outside of, like, the GTA hardcore online audience, which is, accounts for, you know, there's still a sizable portion of people. It's not like they're, like, a tiny niche portion of, like, video game players or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it, it's... it's I'm curious to see how, like, the fact that it's been absent for so long, if, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, if that is the case <laughs> and it makes it. But, I, again, like, regardless of whether or not it's been in the public consciousness for the past 10 years, I think it's just going to going to obliterate everything. It's going to be, yeah. like, we're all going to be there on Judgment Day, Sarah Connor at the playground, and we're just going to be there <laughs> screaming as, like, everything kind of falls out from it. <laughs> just holding onto the fence as GTA releases because yeah. the, the sheer magnitude of it. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I hope, and it's too late in development for this to be the case, unless it was already planned from the ground up, but I hope that GTA 6 has that next evolution of sandbox gameplay. Um, the, ironically, the likes of which is being seen in Baldur's Gate 3. Like, if you can think of a way through a quest, chances are you can do it um and i I love that stuff i kind of feel like that's what gta used to make its name on and the more um rockstar went down the authored route and it's like no stand here use this weapon to shoot this guy from this range and if you walk too far it just says you failed it and do it again i want the old school feel back and i hope that comes back yeah the movement needs to be better i need more Mm. red dead style gunplay just give just let me like dual wield let me be a john woo-esque like figure dual wielding berettas and like jumping through glass windows and shooting (laughs) stuff or whatever that's that's what I need. <laughs> that realization in San Andreas, when like, when you realize that you can actually learn how to dual wield, like that was such a cool thing. Like, I like, yeah, I like that angle more, where it's like uh, cartoonish villains kind of thing, or cartoonish criminals. Although I could still go for a super grounded GTA if they did do a Red Dead Two style GTA, but at the minute um, we have no idea. So I guess we'll find out uh, as things go. You and let's talk about Modern Warfare 3 again, because you, when you think the, the Blazing Inferno's died down, people just keep throwing the throwing the oil on there, just stoking the flames a little bit more. Quite a lot of stuff to get to um, in regards to the last few days of Modern Warfare 3 and how much worse the scenario's gotten. Um, one being that Activision are pulling maps from the game's rotation, because apparently the spawns are even worse than they usually are. Now, obviously, Call of Duty spawns are always talked about anyway, um, nearly every year, but it seems that this one is actually pretty broken. The game's frame rate is also in the single digits most of the time. Um, the game's netcode seems to be kind of on fire. Um, so that's really, really bad. The map quarries being cited as one of the worst things. Um, one of the other biggest things is Bloomberg's Jason Schreier revealing that the game was turned around in just 16 months. Um, he notes in his report over on Bloomberg that Sledgehammer did apparently want to work on another Advanced Warfare game rather than Modern Warfare 3, um, but Activision forced them to turn this over instead. And um, This is where it gets really 
damage control, just kind of sad and tragic, um, where Sledgehammer are now out there, um, you know, sharing various statements, saying that, no, the game was a labor of love. This report is, is false. Um, you know, we weren't forced to turn this over in 16 months. It's something that we've been planning for years. Um, but it's very, very clear from the state of the game and the fact that the game itself requests the Modern Warfare 2 disc to verify itself, or it did back at launch before that was patched, that this was very much Modern Warfare 2 DLC. It lines up with the previous news story that we did, um, you know, on the state of the game and how it was a, initially they were going to skip this year, but instead they turned this around. So um, it's there's a little bit more in terms of like how this sits in the wider Call of Duty uh, rollout as a franchise, but thoughts in general? I mean, we're all just collectively ghost giving the side eye to the series now, aren't we? Just like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's it's just sad. Like, I feel like it's kind of patently obvious that, again, like, I neither of us have been involved in the development of this game. So mm. it could be the case that Sledgehammer are, are, are telling the truth and this was a huge, passionate labour of love, <laughs> which having seen the game, I don't, I, it doesn't really come across, and I hate to no. say that. Um, everything that you say, like, the evidence is pointing towards Schreier's reporting. And again, Jason Schreier is, like, the authority in the games industry in terms of, you know, getting scoops, being a really great reporter. Um, it lines up with the idea, like you said, that this was DLC, and it was mm-hmm. extended over into an actual full project. You see that in the campaign where you have, like, the traditional linear Call of Duty levels kind of really padded out by these open combat missions, which... Are really, really, really bad and completely antithetical <laughs> to the series. I don't know. It's just, it's just a shame. I mean, the spawn stuff. Like, I feel like we've been complaining about Call of Duty spawns since Modern War, the original Modern Warfare say, yeah. in two thousand seven. This mm. has not been the thing. And again, it was really bad in, in in the beta that they did the other month. Like, literally, you'd spawn and there'd be a guy right behind you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know, man. It's just it's the same old, same old with this. I mean, like Modern Warfare. I see the same old, same old. But this with the spawn stuff, it feels that way. Modern Warfare 3 overall, kind of like this is the most glorified bit of DLC that we've seen. This does feel kind of like a new low for the series. Like even after the whole, you know, Infinite Warfare, like getting most disliked gaming trailer of all time Mm -hmm. or whatever. Say what you will about that game. I know that people actually have come on to reappraise the campaign. I mean, you reviewed the campaign very well when it first came out and stuff. So you've been there flying that flag since the beginning. (laughs) But for Modern Warfare 3, this feels... It's just I don't I don't like the idea that they've they've had to come out and be like well no actually it is a passion project because if it was a passion project mm-hmm. then how and th- th- that makes it worse because it's but also, not good <laughs> no and it's like if it was a passion project then like fair and like like obviously the people are passionate who make it they're extremely talented people like it, but it, one of the things in Trier's initial report was that people were asked were ostensibly crunching to get it over the finish line like working very late evenings working weekends just constantly working to turn it over there is a crossover potentially there for passion projects. Stuff, but at the same time, it feel it still feels more like this was just turned around in a very short time frame. And the general um, reception on the dev side, from the report side of things, is that uh, just a level of confusion as to what the hell they were putting together. And then, okay, by the way, this is going to be the next main installment. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. 
United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. Um, one of the most glaring things that reinforces that is that Call of Duty in 20-odd years has never done um, two of the, its mini-series in a row. Like, it's always Black Ops, Modern Warfare, Advanced Warfare, whatever. They've never just done two in a row um, like this before. And it, it's a strange thing because I, like, still love the 2019 Modern Warfare. I still think that was, like, the when that came out, I thought that was the best Call of Duty they'd done in quite some time. Like, I thought that really stood out as a really solid, um, you know, mechanically tight, like, you know, um, innovate, what do you want to call it, like a um, refined version of Call of Duty that they've had in quite some time. And then it's like they just burned through Modern Warfare 2, burned through Modern Warfare 3. It was like, just get it out the way, I guess, because the Activision deal was closer. Yeah, so but, the yeah. 2019 Modern Warfare, that was Infinity War. And then the mm-hmm. uh, after that we had, um, oh God, what was after the 2019 Modern Warfare? Was it, there was like Vanguard or something? No, it was Black Ops Cold War. Black Ops Cold War, which was, um, that was Treyarch. Treyarch, yeah. And then we had Vanguard... Well, one Warfare 2, and then we had Vanguard, which was Sledgehammer, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then now. Well, one Warfare 2 was last year, because then we've got Modern Warfare 3 this year, because it was like, let's just turn them over as fast as possible. Oh my god, sorry. I've completely. <laughs> the Call of Duty timeline's absolutely frazzled my brain here. Um, That's the thing. That's why it yeah. feels so just like. And it's not even communicated very well. Like I said, they've established a cadence that they've then gone back on themselves, um, which, you know, it's one of those things where they could have done this revitalized version of that trilogy story. And then now you've got the Makarov, no Russian stuff in Modern Warfare 3 instead of 2, but it's a new version of it. But it doesn't take place in an airport. 
airport, but it does take place on an airplane. And it's like, we're trying to do all these things to make it fit the feeling that you had when you went through the first few games. But it's it's very, very messy. And I was like, they could have they could have planned this all so much better. They have more money than, than God or whatever. And there was no reason to just sort of crank it out. Um, but yeah, the way that it's rolled out um, and the way that it is right now, it just, it just I mean, I don't think it's necessarily unsalvageable, but it would take quite a Herculean effort to, to actually turn it over. I know, but even then, like, it's still going to be a huge sex- success. I think we mentioned before mm. we came on here, I'm expecting new sales records to be broken. Like, even with <laughs> Call of Duty now as both a paid service and as a free-to-play platform, people are still going to mm. go out and pay the 70 bucks to play a new Modern Warfare game because it is the benchmark... You know, it should be the gold standard True. of the series. You know, it's what turned Call of Duty into a worldwide phenomenon. Mm. There's clearly lots of love for the the narratives of these games. You know, Captain Price is an icon. Ghost is like the Jar Jar Binks of, of Call of Duty, <laughs> where he's just a really minor character that everyone loves. Mm. And you have so many again, like you said, the campaign's doing the same thing over and over again. We're just gonna do what we did before, but we're actually gonna have Glenn Moore Shower play Shepard this time, which yeah. is just play. I don't know, man. It's just. I, I tapped out of the Call of Duty trade a very long time ago, mm-hmm. so these games are not for me anymore. Um, I'd say yeah. one thing that I'm uh, I'm curious about is like I wonder how much Phil Spencer and the Xbox and the Microsoft side of things are kind of kicking themselves that they went through a year's worth of deals, a year's worth of tightening this stuff up to get it over the finish line, and they've bought the worst version of this franchise. Like this is the lowest rated Call of Duty ever, um, especially on the audience side, but even the critics side, it's only got a 50 over on Metacritic. Um, like, it is one of the worst reviewed games of the year. Like it's underneath. Uh, Redfall and Forspoken like it's it's very it's a very bad release like you know there are obviously bits of it that are mechanically tight enough um, but it's very much in the shadow of Modern Warfare 1 and 2 and I would say especially Modern Warfare 1 um, but that's the thing I'm like going forward I think this I mean it is one of those things maybe Call of Duty is big enough where the average person just isn't even thinking about anything other than I've bought the new Modern Warfare and I'll just wait for the patches or whatever it is um, or does this affect the rollout going forward if they want to change the that cadence anyway like they want to put something out every couple of years they want to make it a free-to-play platform or put it on Game Pass or whatever it is. Um, I think it's interesting that finally this deal goes over the finish line and and the worst version of it is what's now going forward under completely new leadership, especially when once um, you know various members like Bobby Kodak and whatever have left. That's like a weird... Um, point in time for gaming. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hope that, you know, Xbox are able to go in and basically gut Activision and take out <laughs> all the rot and, you know, look after the people that work there, because like you said before, there are loads of really talented developers there, really talented mm. studios. I mean, we've t- spoken at length before about how, like, places like Raven and High Moon, who used to make really, really good games, have been mm. settled into the Call of Duty machine, and I don't think Xbox is going to change that at all, um, but you would hope that they put in place those, those developmental processes that you know, will make Call of Duty still a big earner for them, but not at the expense of quality or, you know, <laughs> human well-being. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think in the long term, Call of Duty will be fine. Like, I just, I think it's one of those where I'm quite surprised that given that we've had quite a few Call of Duties, like, over the last few years, I feel, like, really lag in quality. Um, mm. They've never really lagged in terms of critics' consensus. I've, I'm trying to remember with Infinite Warfare kind of got below a 70 on Metacritic. I'm not sure that... No, I mean, Infinite Warfare was still, like, super tight. It was just the the general sort of fan response, which was fair enough for what that IP was at the time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with this, it's like a case of, like, well, no, there is a critical and audience consensus that this game isn't just bad by Call of Duty standards, it's just Mm. bad. Um, Mm. Which, you know, again, it's one of those things, it's Activision's last proper Call of Duty game um, under the old regime, so, Mm -hmm. you know... It probably again, like I feel like it's it's one of those where I don't think this is going to damage the long term prospects of the brand. Um, 
I think people still turn up for this. I had a mate who didn't know about any of the reports about the game being DLC, and he messaged me after it came out, being like, oh yeah, the uh, campaign's really terrible. Um, so, you know, I think at least one of those things... That's got his money at that point. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's it's a, it's difficult. When you're a casual gamer, you're not really going to be getting invested in all the different reports mm. and behind-the-scenes stuff. So, yeah, sorry, there's a war zone going on outside my window right now. <laughs> the, uh, the Activision lawyers have found it. Yeah, it's, um, it is interesting to see it all kind of play out. I love that perspective. I want more perspectives from people who just, it is their game. It is their one game of the year, not in terms of a quality thing necessarily, but the one thing they pick up. Like, you get it with FIFA, um, you get it with certain titles where it's like, this is the one thing I'm getting, that's what I've been looking forward to, and that's what I'm going to put my money into in terms of microtransactions for the whole year long. Um, obviously, that monetization model isn't something I'm personally a fan of, but at the same time, I'm fascinated by those people. Are they still satisfied do they still turn up next year um and i just i can't i'm just so like if you were microsoft right now it's like yeah do you go in do you try and gut the turnaround that led to this and just remind everybody that they can calm the f down we don't need to turn something over year on year and then you don't have a call of duty for two years maybe three years whatever it is and just let these things meet themselves out a little bit i mean there's like how many studios are involved in call of duty right now scott we've got sledgehammer oh, infinity ward treyarch and like uh raven and high moon as support studios there's probably some other studios uh, I'm forgetting that are involved in this whole you know process or whatever Um, there's more than enough resources and talent and manpower for this not to be, have to be rushed. You know Mm -hmm. better planning would ensure that this isn't an issue. I think from Shryer's reports it's very much a case that maybe Activision panicked and were like well before the deal goes through we need to get like a full game out rather than a DLC Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I don't know I, I, I feel like you know Again, Call of Duty's long-term prospects. It'll be fine. Um, it doesn't. But the other issue is, is that it doesn't have to be fine. Like they could continue to make. I feel like they could continue to make games like this, and it won't be that issue. Is it a case that mm-hmm. we now have a game franchise that is too big to fail? Um, because the, yeah, that's the weirdest thing is that you're under the Microsoft banner, you're under, under the Xbox Game Pass banner. There's a level of quality that's supposed to come alongside that, and it's it, the previous example being Starfield that that was gonna come out last year. Um, but they spent a whole year polishing it. And Starfield still has its bugs and its issues and everything, but because it is that you know tip of the spear for the the, new, you know, the the Xbox identity, it needs to be a stronger thing. Does that, yeah, it, do they spend the time on Call of Duty that way and make sure that it lives up to a certain level of quality? Um, even across the last few days, there was a, um, a general a conversation around how Microsoft are steering into AI implementation and, and t- in terms of using games going forward and how that sort of jars with the idea of creatives first and giving them the funding yeah, through Game Pass, um, you know, rather than just replacing them with voice packs and stuff like that in terms of an apocalyptic view of how that could go um but yeah they have a lot of different ways they're going forward and i think like buying call of duty as a way of bolstering game pass is like a fascinating like a fascinating way to go because it's not like game Pass is like blowing up like phil spencer says himself that it takes up the same amount of their bottom line as it has for the last few years and that bottom line might get bigger but the percentage that game pass takes up isn't that much it's a 17 percent or something last i checked um, and so I think it's interesting. I think all that the rest of the generation is a very fascinating thing to watch. Um, but closing thoughts on Modern Warfare 3, are, are, three, are you going to be picking it up? I'm actually not. This is the first one I've not bought in, I don't even know how long, five, six, seven years? Yeah, I mean, I've not been picking up Call of Duty annually since, I mean, the last one that I bought properly was Modern Warfare 2019, and I bounced off the multiplayer for that because of the spawns issues. And I think it's just mm. because like my own video game tastes have changed. Like I'm much more into slower paced, tactical niche stuff, like a hell let loose, where even if the <laughs> There is jank to it it's a it's a more compelling gaming experience to me because i'm getting more out of it than just kind of you know hopping in for a quick dose of adrenaline where i'm just sprinting around and sliding and shooting people that's not really <laughs> kind of what i'm, I'm here for so mm-hmm. now i probably won't that's be entirely what i'm there for probably won't be picking it up if it comes out on playstation plus at some
some point in the future, which I doubt now that there's the Activision thing, mm-hmm. then maybe I'll I'll get it for free and, and blitz through the campaign. But it's not really a priority for me. I think for me, the thing that would get me back into Call of Duty, and I think I've been advocating for, uh, for Microsoft to do this now that they have the license, is actually just put a, get a big bundle, the Call of Duty bundle, like the, the Halo Master Chief Collection. Just mm-hmm. do that with like the, the golden, Call of Duty, the golden years. And you go from like... Um, modern warfare through to like black ops 2 and you have all those campaigns and multiplayer modes so you can kind of go in and and amongst all that i would probably be down for something like that but as Mm -hmm. things are it's it's a no from me (laughs) yeah they they need to pull the the literal trigger on putting call of duty like packs out on game pass and have have access to the black ops one stuff um and all the best installments that there have been across the last 20 odd years like remind people why they they, when they used to be able to take the time to execute on those things better um i'm sure all the the vast majority of the servers are still live anyway so we can play some black ops one gun game or something why not next up let's talk about mass effect stuff um this is something that um me you and adam strong talked about on the main podcast last week because as part of n7 day november 7th um they uh, by the way put out like a little teaser thing and they said it was in it was in engine gameplay it was like not representative of gameplay but it is in engine and it was a character with like a long flowing coat on and a high collar and like a helmet looking very tronny um walking through like down a corridor and then whatever and like and you can fans have taken that thing and ran with it in terms of like oh my god does it mean they're like an assassin character or whatever um, according to uh, known insider Jeff Grubb speaking over on his Games Mess podcast uh, alongside GameSpot's Tomo Hussein, he said that Mass Effect's not co- Mass Effect 5 isn't coming until 2029. Oh! And only... <laughs> only doubled down on the state of development. Um, Grobe said that it's nowhere near coming out. Um, he cited Dragon Age Dreadwolf was announced in 2018 and said we still haven't got that. That's five years later. Um, Dragon Age Dreadwolf is apparently penciled in for next year, um, but just said it's a very similar time frame with Mass Effect. And again, said it's nowhere near coming out. Um, this is a similar sort of timeline. Um, said 2029, and then both presenters, uh, Hussein himself, said um, the game's nowhere near done. And then Hussein said it's in another galaxy right now. So that teaser thing... Uh, maybe it's an engine, but I, it's going to be another six, five years or whatever. My maths isn't. Scott, but, yeah. I have a question for you, right? Go on, mate. Do you like it when game companies, <laughs> publisher studios, whatever, um, drop a trailer for something that is literally so far down the line you will forget about the trailer in two years? Do you no. want to have that acknowledgement that the game is actually coming so it, it swages any fears that they're dead? Mm. Uh, <laughs> for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> or do you, would you just rather be like, we're gonna do. I always people always use the Fallout Four example from Bethesda, where they were like, "Yeah, yes. coming out in a few months." Oh, Elder yeah. Scrolls Six. I, I, it depends on the um, the level of confidence I have in a, in a studio overall, and I think sometimes. I mean, the reason that they announced Dragon Age Dreadwolf way ahead of time was was during the post anthem stuff when they were fighting for their lives to stay afloat anyway. Um, and it was there was a whole thing back then about how they just put the trailer out as it was either at the Game Awards or E three or whatever to remind people that Bioware had something else in the fire and not just a multiplayer live server shooter. So that was already years before it should have been mentioned. But like you said with Bethesda, they did it with Elder Scrolls Six as well where it's like we've got a logo guys and it's like metroid prime 4 was like we've got a logo and then that thing restarted development so i i like knowing that developers i love are active but i think if there's literally nothing other than a logo um what's the point like you know you're going to stimmy up all this conversation around the ip it's going to spike in terms of search terms and everything and you don't actually capitalize on that spike you let it all die down again it's just weird yeah i mean i think i i think a couple years is fine i think if we're looking at like five it's like come on i mean it's embarrassing (laughs) like the star wars night still republic remake when that got announced to uh 2021 at the Mm. playstation showcase i think it was Mm -hmm. yeah um again that game we now know pretty certain it's not happening anymore doesn't seem to be um 
Um, so it's just kind of, it, it just feels like, yeah, drumming up false hope. Not that, that I, not that I don't think this new Mass Effect isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I know that Mass Effect has got such a passionate little fan base. And I, I would I would probably say that the reason why they're dropping this is that we haven't had enough Mass Effect general media over the last few years. It's very bizarre to me that Cyberpunk yeah, 2077 can come out and have an anime within a year. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, Mass Effect, which I think is one of the richest sci-fi tapestries in the gaming medium, obviously a lot of like extra curricular material has been built up around that game. Mm-hmm. But it's not really been placed at the forefront in like a really prominent medium the way that others have you you think that an anime mass effect would be amazing it would make perfect well sense. the amount of that's the thing the amount of animated projects that are being greenlit right now the only the new onamusha show on netflix is awesome like there was an update on the devil may cry um anime that's coming up um like that seems to be the thing like that like netflix especially are steering into that which i as a huge anime and animation fan in general i i'm loving seeing that um, but like you said, there are so many opportunities for side stories in Mass Effect that you could do to just generally revitalize the IP a bit and remind people why they fell in love with it in the first place. And there are so many things in the lore that they could just do an anime on. I think a lot of it just comes down to a general lack of overall planning. Like, they they don't know which major parts of that lore they want to use in the games. Um, and I think it's one of those things where a lot of the lead the leaders of what Mass Effect was just aren't at the studio anymore. Um, and so I'd... I don't know, I have zero faith in modern Bioware, which just sounds horrible to say, but it's just one of those things where I, I had vestiges of hope after Mass Effect Andromeda that were very much killed by Anthem. Um, and then it's one of those things where I just need to wait and see what the hell they're doing. But they've not been the Bioware that I love for 11 years now. Well, here's hoping that EA have recalibrated and that they're maybe given the freedom mm. to make. I feel like Mass of those that, that trilogy has such a fondness going for it that EA mm. will be aware of as well. So you would hope that any future installment is going to be more of a throwback to those games and they'll get the requisite time to actually make something and not to be sabotaged by the Frostbite engine if they're still using that. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Because it's going to be 2029, let's say, that's a PS6, that's a next-generation console game, which like lines up with what um, Jason Schreier said, I think it was at the very beginning of this year, might have been last year, about anyone entering into a AAA game development now is making it for the next series of consoles, which is just painful at this point. But it's like, yeah, with the, that combination of um, the tech changing and what the hell story you even do um, as this sort of addendum-type thing with Mass Effect after everything that happened in Mass Effect 3. Um, who even knows? But I guess we'll see. Next news item down is from concept artist Hung Nguyen, including Insomniac's Wolverine on their art station portfolio. It's a big deal because they include the potential re- release date of 2024. Um, now, this obviously, this um, person's profile has now been mined and shared loads, <laughs> and it seems like they've had to hide some things. I feel so bad, um, man. I want to, like, hide. <laughs> I know, and it's like it happens all the time, and it's um, it's just one of those things where we can talk about it a little bit. Do you think they could turn Wolverine around one year after Spider-Man yes. Two? Yeah, because it's a different Insomniac <laughs> studio, isn't it? They've got two yes, different development yes. teams. This is the guys who were working on Miles Morales, I believe. So yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Give them enough time to do it. Um, I know Brian Interhar was saying that he the other day just let the let the Wolverine let team cook. cook. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, twenty twenty four makes perfect sense. I'm very much looking forward to that game because mm-hmm. I love me the X Men. Um, and I'm very curious to see what an Insomniac-developed Wolverine game actually looks mm. like and whether or not they have enough of that 90s dog in them to make a properly fun X-Men throwback game. Um, yeah, totally. Like, it's like... The way that Spider-Man is, it's I don't know enough about the wider universe, the different takes on the character and stuff, but it felt like initially in the, very, in the original 2018 game, it was like... Or 2019 game. It was like Spider-Man 101. Like... 
2018. Yeah. It's like the like Spider Man six one six kind of thing. Like we're going like straight down the line, and then like over time we brought in the ultimate stuff and Miles Morales and things like that. And I love that they've done that to make it their own. So I wonder. I guess you'll know. Like, are there specific arcs to pull from that would that you would you would need to be in there, but then they can make them their own? Yes, I'm personally hoping that they go through like a Madripoor kind of arc. You know, Madripoor for people who aren't as well versed in the comics, it was featured in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, which obviously was a bad TV show. Um, but Madripoor <laughs> is heavily tied to espionage in the x-men um universe and mm. there's a period of time in wolverine's uh comics where he basically went undercover as like a like a like a, a bar owner called um what's his name what's a put i can't remember the name that he went by but basically has like an eye patch on it's a really cool look <laughs> and i'm fairly certain that um in the initial reveal trailer for wolverine the i think he is in the he owns the princess bar and i'm fairly certain the princess bar is what is featured in that trailer so i'm hoping that maybe they're going to go through like a a, like an 80s inspired miller-esque kind of like um crime action game set in madripoor and that would be better for me because I'd, i'd rather have that than have wolverine be set in like new york or like america like or you know go go for that kind of like that that eastern setting you know, dive into those roots. Frank Miller was the guy who really kind of elevated Wolverine to the next mm. tier of his, like, you know, his 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 legend. Um, mm. So, yeah, Madripoor would be the one for me. As to whether or not it's open world or linear, I don't know. It would be pretty fun to ride around on a motorcycle and have a dedicated cigar button. <laughs> if you had a thing where you could ride a cigar... Ride a cigar. Ride, <laughs> ride a, a cigar and smoke you a motorcycle. You can ride a cigar if you want. But uh, ride a motorbike into like a platoon of street goons and you jump off it with the double claws and you go in. That would be sweet. Could, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, better improve the Spider-Man jumping on car thing where you could like go across a convoy of slicing dudes up and like <laughs> slicing wheels. And yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm looking oh, forward man, to this. Yeah. I'm very much ready for the X-Men to have their moment again because I, I bloody love the X-Men. I, I recently replayed both X-Men Legends games, which Joe. are just an absolute joy. Like, of you know, even if you're like, even if you're, even if you're new to the X-Men now, I'd still recommend playing those games because they're like the perfect yeah. introduction to the entire like universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I ho- same with the Ultimate Alliance Yes, games. exactly. Like same, same guys who did those. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. hopeful as well that they bring back Steve Blum to play the character yeah. because he, to me, he, again, first appeared as Wolverine in X-Men Legends. He, to me, um, is like what Kevin Conroy was to Batman. I think of Steve mm-hmm. Blum as being Wolverine. So... Yeah. Get Mark Hamill back in. Just get <laughs> Mark Hamill's Wolverine that one time. Maybe get him back in um, as Omega Red, I don't know. <laughs> you might as well. Um, final news thing is some new details on IO Interactive's James Bond game. Uh, they've been doing a round of press. They talked to Edge magazine um, and said that the game is a more scripted experience than Hitman's freeform jaunts. And they also said it will be the ultimate spy fantasy and it's not based on any of the movies, which I think we knew anyway. Um, they said that overall it's closer to Daniel Craig's Bond than Roger Moore's and they're currently scheduling it for 2025. Um, they also noted when talking to Games Radar that convincing the owners of the James Bond IP, Eon Productions, to actually make a new game was an uphill struggle. Um, they said that their impression was very much at the time that Eon weren't looking for a new game. It's fair to say that they might not have been super happy with some of the later games. And this is written up by IGN, who noted that um, you know the last two main James Bond games, 007 Bloodstone um, and 007 Legends, um, weren't received very well. They had very middling reviews. I quite like Bloodstone. I was about to say, Blood- Bloodstone yeah. was decent. I, I, yeah. I thought for what that was, you had the fun car driving segments, and I believe the guys mm-hmm. who made Bloodstone, they had done some racing games previously. Um, you might have just had help from Criterion, like, well, everything or nothing yes. has. Yeah, I mean, everything or nothing is the benchmark. That, that's the thing, right? 
Yeah, to mention, like, in, in amongst this, like, there was a blessed time when um, the different wings of EA came together, not under crunch, but under a common goal to make a James Bond game. I'm not even a Bond fan, but Everything or Nothing was phenomenal. And you had, like, the you know the third person shooting from one team, you had the driving from Criterion, and they, they just brought it all Willem together Defoe and worked. was in it as the main yeah. villain. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I love that game. That is, like, my favorite mm-hmm. Bond game. I think that is, like, that beats out GoldenEye for me. I know GoldenEye has the nostalgia vote, Ooh. but everything or nothing is the most comprehensive bond experience that you could get yeah yeah i mean i'm looking forward to this a lot uh even though i'm not like a huge hitman game person i'm very much a bond person i'm kind of going through a little bit of an obsession with the movies at the minute which i wasn't expecting to have this year um i'm glad that it's going to be their own interpretation because i feel like that removes any baggage of the movies um slightly less encouraged with the i mean again i wasn't a roger moore bond person i really don't like his his movies as the character because they're a little just bit too too round like too doughy a little bit too like okay. lethargic he's very much comes across as like a playboy shagger and not like an actual guy <laughs> who could kill you or whatever um, right so I, but the one thing i hope for when they're saying that they're going to bring it more in tone with like it's closer to daniel craig i do hope that it's not going to be kind of derivative modern setting the whole thing that i was kind of really personally hoping for with this game was that they would go through go for like a cold war setting try and maybe mm. adapt the books more and go through into the, like the 60s have that pulpy kind of maybe almost inspired by on her majesty's secret service that is kind of like what i would love to see from a bond game but mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to it maybe it'll be really fun if they even if it's doing their own interpretation to maybe have a few different skins based on actors like this is so i can live out my best timothy yeah. dalton fantasies <laughs> it's about time i mean they had the all the skin packs or whatever that were all the costumes that were planned for goldeneye way back in the day the, the, the devs just made and they couldn't get the license to use them but um yeah it's one of those things where like, like i said i'm not a james bond fan but i that whole era that you just destri- described there would get me in um it's just funny because i came into james bond on goldeneye like i came in on the ps brosnan era and then had the most ridiculous all these spy gadgets and all this stupid stuff and everything else um and then I always preferred the games to the movies. That is like the scenarios that we got in like Nightfire, Agent Under Fire, Everything or Nothing. Um, and so like I say, that was my Bond era in terms of what I kept up with. And then I finally went back and played Goldeneye years later. Um, so it's one of those things where I, uh, yeah, I'm curious, like how much cultural cachet does James Bond have, especially with the next generation? Can they make that work? Um, and then how much does the Hitman stuff carry over in terms of what people are expecting versus like if they're saying it's, you know, it's it's similar, um, but it's a more scripted experience than Hitman, then that's not hit like hitman's greatest strength is the experimental nature of it and if you're not doing a gadget based version of that then i wonder what it is i think is. maybe you can do a hybrid approach like maybe have a few mm. assassination missions where you've got a plan how to take down a given target or how to infiltrate a given area but i'm fine you know it makes sense you know bond is famed for you know it's uncharted set pieces there's an amazing mm. sequence i don't know if you've ever seen the living daylight scott it's one of my fave bond movies with timothy dalton i don't think i've heard of it. um <laughs> it's the first dalton one uh from like right, 87 and the cargo plane bit from the third Uncharted game, uh, that is taken straight from the Living Daylights. So they literally have like, oh. a whole big fight scene on, on like this um, this Hercules aircraft where like Bond's clinging on to like the bit and he's like kicking this guy off the thing and he's like falling out the plane. It's fantastic. So yeah, I mean if they if they manage to blend Hitman with Uncharted, you kind of got a dream scenario Bond game. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I hope that they like um, do like an advanced version of like the way that you can script your own sequences in terms of like the way that different missions can play out or like maybe you have an idea in the moment some weird improvisational thing that you can do um, that they can hopefully like cater to or whatever but yeah shout out to IO Interactive like I love um, the last six years of those seven years of their career um, the weird higgledy way that Hitman 2016 rolled out it was all episodic and whatever and then it slowly just became the best Hitman ever like easily like I mean that 
as it exists now, just a platform for Hitman, um, the amount of levels, the amount of detail that's in that thing is phenomenal. Like, I absolutely love that trilogy um, and couldn't recommend it enough. Um, for now, though, this has been The Wind-Up. I didn't do an intro. I'm Scott Tilford. That's you in passing. And we will see you next time. <laughs> we will. Thank you all very much for listening, and we'll catch you very soon. Goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.